Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Jeff Spross, business and economics writer for TheWeek.com, and today I thought we'd take a trip to the happiest place on earth for a quick economics lesson. Disney World may mean pure, unadulterated joy for kids, but there's a lot it can teach us about our unequal economy. To get to the heart of today's lesson, let's take a look at two things. First, the skyrocketing price of a ticket. When the park opened in 1971, a ticket would cost around 20 bucks in today's dollars. But if you were to go to Disney World today, a ticket would set you back more than 100 bucks. Secondly, the park's business is booming. Visitors hit a record 19 million last year, and admissions revenue has grown 10% every year for the last decade. You might have noticed a curious connection between these two points. That with ticket prices, it seems Disney World has left the middle class behind, and frankly, that decision has been very good for the bottom line. In this sense, Disney World is a microcosm for a rather uncomfortable discussion around inequality, Namely, it's difficult to find solid evidence that rising inequality has harmed economic growth. Now, there are a few routes by which inequality might harm growth, and the big one is the atrophied demand in the economy, which probably has the most direct relation to the Disney World question. The theory is pretty straightforward. Economic growth depends on a feedback loop between consumers on the one end and the businesses that create jobs on the other. If money concentrates at the top, it should become harder for that feedback loop to function. Even if someone has 10 times the money you have, they're not going to buy 10 times the amount of food or 10 times as many cars, which hurts businesses that sell food and cars. Sounds like a pretty solid theory, right? Well, things didn't really work out that way in the real world. In the real world, consumer spending continued to rise, even as inequality increased. So the Disney World scenario raises a scary possibility. At the aggregate level, the economy can continue to chug along at a respectable pace, even with a lot of the money packed into the top. You can see this in Disney World's business model, which now offers a wealth of fancy upgrades for attendees who can afford it, like premier hotels with sky-high prices, VIP tours, parties, dining events, and junior salon treatments. The Bippity Boppity Boutique is like the ultimate makeover experience for little girls. And when the makeover is over, moms and dads don't need to get their camera out because a Disney PhotoPass photographer will come over to take pictures so you can really be in the moment with your daughter. These upgrades cost a fortune, but the upper class can pay it. Meanwhile, for everyone else, there are cheap but complex ticket deals for certain days, off-site lodging, or the possibility of just attending smaller regional parks like Six Flags, which are also raising prices, just less dramatically. The balance in the business model is maintained by maximal catering to the upper class's spending power. Meanwhile, the lower class is shunted to the fringes, but with enough scraps to keep business moving. As it is with Disney World, so it is with the national economy. There's still a fair amount of people doing really well, and they can provide lots of demand. Since the recession, the industries that serve the upper class, and more importantly, that provide the jobs for the upper class, have actually recovered handsomely. Jobs for the lower class are doing all right as well. It's jobs for the middle that have vanished. 
You can think of it as an hourglass economy. But perhaps the most important thing to keep in mind is this. Disney's ultra-fancy amenities for the upper class rest on the fact of inequality in the larger economy. It wasn't so much that Disney World left the middle class behind as that America as a whole did. Disney World just adapted to that new economic geography. If the park was serving an American consumer base that was relatively egalitarian, there'd be no need for Disney World to hike ticket prices to chase the elite, or to stratify its pricing structure, or to offer Gilded Age amenities. The idea that economic growth can continue alongside inequality is scary because the specter of economic harm is an obvious way to get the upper class on board with the idea of reducing inequality. If inequality doesn't hurt them, then the upper class has no reason to give up their amenities at Disney World or anywhere else. And that does it for this week's episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more from this series or to listen to any of the week's podcasts, go to theweek.com slash audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, tell your friends, or give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Jeff Spross, and thanks so much for listening.